In my experience, conversations are best had with a glass of whiskey. Join me, Alan Kogan, as I engage in meaningful discussions while enjoying a glass of my favorite spirit. Welcome to the Kogan Conversation. I think unplugging would be healthy for everyone, just for like a week out of every three to four months. Just going, just going in on a, on a Buddhist retreat where you just meditate and don't engage with any electronics. I could use that too. Every time I get a chance that I can just not be on my phone for an extended period or just out in the wilderness, it's 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 un it's incredibly healing. And everyone usually has that same feeling, just getting away from the noise because it does feel just like a like a cacophony of of nonsense and noise constantly when you're on platforms like Twitter or Facebook or anything like that. But obviously that's not feasible when it comes to how our economy runs or how our interpersonal lives work anymore because it's just it's become so ingrained in us. We become cyborgs in a sense. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's adapting to that. Maybe I mean, if I knew how to facilitate people talking to each other in a real honest way again, I mean, God, I don't know. Be the next Tony Robbins. Great. Well, we 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 have spent I've spent a lot of time trying to think of ways for you know our podcast to invite people on and talk about you know issues that people are so up in arms about. It's fun. You watch on on Twitter or Facebook, and people are so quick to to get so personal and get so mad and get so angry with their. I mean, it's almost like violent language that they're using against people that they don't even know about something that's a sensitive topic that I think is a personal thing. It's just you know, abortion or transgender issues or whatever. It's like you're this topic to begin with is a private decision by a person, and some of them may be you know awful experiences or, or experiences that carry some weight to them. Right? <laughs> you're you're sounding off in a novel in a comment thread and jumping down their throat and you're assuming the worst in what they're saying and they're going to assume the worst in what you're saying. How about you come on the podcast? We talk about this topic. Oh, oh, I don't want it. I don't want to show my face. I don't want to do this. I don't want to have my voice. I don't want to be out there. I don't want to. Yeah, you don't want to be challenged. You guys are cowards. People are cowards in the comment threads. They'll, they'll be so quick. And I think that's why this is a cold civil war is because I think people are scared. At the end of the day, they're, they're too much. People are cowards. Unless something so severe like what Australia is doing times 10 happens, I don't think think anything pops off. And if, if it does pop off, I know what side's going to win. The side that isn't the screen warrior woke crowd who's screaming about, you know, not using the right pronouns. The side that has the guns and knows how to use them. Well, exactly. Yes. I mean, yeah, if you if the question was going to come up, which side do you choose? I'd be like, the side with the guns. What are you talking about? A part of being such a privileged country confronted with any kind of like real conflict. I'm personal. I'm so sheltered. If I'm going to be, I'm going to avoid conflict at all costs. I think most people would generally want to avoid conflict at all costs because it's just like the cost benefit analysis is just like, okay, yeah, I, I'm, I don't need a violent conflict in my life to prove anything to anyone. I'd rather have my life and live it how I want to live it kind of thing. But like, yes, there is, there's these things where it's like a government doing what it's doing to infringe upon your rights and your livelihood and, and your family and threatening you financially and getting rid of your job if you don't do a thing. Like this is the kind of stuff where it's like, unless you push back, unless you like make your voice heard and, and take your head out of the sand and, and push back against these things, they're just going to keep encroaching and keep going and keep going. And I, I, I do think a majority of our population is at the point where it's like, yeah, I'm going to trade a feeling of safety over, I don't know, having freedom and actually like, and, and that's the thing where it's like this, this, this feeling of safety is you're never actually safe in that scenario. 
if you just let whatever power that be encroach upon your life, you're always going to be subject to anything. They can do anything they want to you because you, they know you're not going to push back at all. They can take what they want and they can do what they want to you and use who, how they want to use you. And yes, that's this like 1984 scenario where it's like, okay, yes, now we're under an authoritarian rule, but like, I don't know, like that, I, that's, you're right. Like there, there's no, it's not going to get to a point where we're out, outright fighting each other. There's going to be like one group of people out there, a minority of people who are going to violently resist any kind of government tyranny, but the rest of them are going to say, yeah, I mean, we've seen it in the last two years. People are just going to say, all right, these are my new rules. I'm going to follow them now and not question it at all. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to help you with your, with your manufactured consent. Well, I guess that, that leads me to my next question that we can expand on. What are the sides? Let's just say for a worst case scenario, we we are heading towards the second civil war where there's going to be an, something happens, Fort Sumter's fired upon, right? What are the sides? Is it just two sides? Is it binary? Is it the woke left and the alt right? Is it Black Lives Matter versus mega crowd? I don't, I don't think it's that. I don't know. I think it's like, it's a little more dark. It's, it's more like empire and rebels in my brain, you know? It's like people who are going to sympathize with the, the Nazi rule and the people who are going to push back against it. It's Axis and allies. It's not right and left. I just don't see like people who are for slavery and people who are against slavery on either side in our country. I think it's more like, yeah, people who are going to say everything that the government tells me to do is right and I'm going to follow it. And then people who are like, fuck that, I'm not dealing with that shit. It's a little more top down in my brain. Do you think that if it were to be a moment where it's like it's it's like government versus the people, that there would be a kumbaya moment between people who like would would true liberalism win out, and it would be like, oh wait a minute, hey, the mega crowd and the BLM crowd both actually at the end of the day they don't like government infringement, right? BLM is not a fan of police brutality and systematic issues within police departments, and mega crowd. You know, Donald Trump's crowd don't like the government being involved in social issues, I guess. It is this weird cognitive dissonance, though, you know what I mean, where it's like the Black Lives Matter crowd doesn't like police brutality. And yet at the same time, they're the same ones usually who are going to demand that you get your government mandated shot and it's completely safe and not question it at all. Even if the government's mandating it or telling you to put your mask on, we're in your own home during Thanksgiving or Christmas, like like that. That's like the left in my brain, and then the right are the people who are like small government. And they don't like government tyranny and mandates and all that stuff, and yet they're gonna be on the side of the police who are gonna enforce all these tyrannical laws. Like this is the cognitive dissonance on either side that doesn't it doesn't register for me. Like I can't get on either side of that that debate. You know. Well, uh, yeah, and it's not. It's definitely not as cut and dry as the first civil war, right? Obviously, we know what the first civil war was fought over, states' rights. To do what? To own slaves. <laughs> but that was, I mean, it, it was states' rights to own slaves, but it was it was a lot of the fervor behind the, the people who were conf supporting the Confederacy and the Confederate States of America. It was because they were so anti the federal centralized government having a hand in what they were doing. Now, obviously, we both agree and most people today agree that the federal government probably should go in and make sure slavery is not happening, right? Because the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, which is enforced and protected by the national government, holds that people shouldn't be enslaved. At least, you know, the Bill of Rights and the Declaration of Independence, that's the nature of them. And unfortunately, because of how our country worked, we had to pass new amendments to make sure that we didn't have slavery. So you had people in Virginia and, and Kentucky militias that were geared up and willing to fight for their state's right to do what it wanted. We don't really have a sense of state loyalty anymore. We, you know, I, I don't, I live in Virginia. I'm from Wisconsin. My only 
loyalty that I have is to my sports teams. I, I don't, and if the sports team moved from from Green Bay, Wisconsin to somewhere else, God forbid, I'd probably still be a fan of them because that's the team that I grew up with. I don't have any loyalty to Wisconsin whatsoever other than friends and family and sports teams. So it's, I now I now identify in, as an individual. I identify with the people I surround myself with. And I tend to, as, as you know, I, I lean very libertarian in which I want the government out of my life and let me do what I want within reason and allow me and my friends and, my, and people in my community to do what's best for them. Hence the COVID issue where you have lockdown measures coming from the White House itself during Trump's administration, you know, that's, a, that's an interesting precedent to set, whether it was good or bad or based on science or not, to have the federal government from Washington, D.C. tell every state across the land to shut down bars and restaurants or po- put up a bunch of signage from CDC recommendations for six feet social distance and masks and all that crap. That feels icky to me. If my city that I live in or my village or my, you know, where I have city council members and older people that I vote for. If they ha- held a little town meeting and said, hey, everyone, we're going to, we have this idea to try to make sure we're not doing anything bad. We're going to, you know, everyone, let's just wear a mask for two weeks if we really appreciate it. I would feel like, oh, you know, okay, you know, yeah, I, I, hey, I appreciate you having this little meeting and let's have a little powwow and talk about it. Cool. Sounds good. Rather than having it come down from the very, very, very top, the, you know, the kingmaker saying, we're going to do these things because you have to, and it's bad if you don't. You're a horrible person if you don't. So it's, 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 I think it's a little bit more dark and, and gloomy than the first civil war because the first civil war at least was you had, you had a place to stay. You had a home in your state. Now it's like you're either for the federal government at a center a centralized, federal, powerful government, or you're against that. And I'm interested to see if there's ever going to be a crossover between the far right and the far left where they agree that, you know what, we don't like the government. I mean, yeah, but like what's putting it in its place? Like, what are we looking at here? Like, is it just like total communist takeover or fascistic takeover? It's like, it seems to just be this like very globalistic it, it it extends beyond just the united states you know it is just it's like okay we have other countries like china which is communist but it's a totalitarian government or russia where it's not necessarily communist but it's also kind of a totalitarian government in a weird way like and and you see other countries too now where you look at like any like even austria where i just was or australia you mentioned before where lockdowns have just become what you see in something like a 1984 or what you saw in like a, a fascistic rule in like italy or, or germany during world war ii people being put in camps like that level of an of insane like can, can you see what's happening in the world right now no we're preoccupied with i don't know who said the wrong words on twitter today <laughs> that that's a, that's a question too though because like nazi you look at nazi germany how many of those soldiers of of germany prior to becoming the nazi third reich how many of them just fell in line because their commanders did and their generals did and hitler was so charismatic and now five years goes into a war and now you're the bad guy even though you never, I mean, I'm sure there were plenty, there's lots of documentation of, of Nazi soldiers who were so, so, so against and disgusted with the concentration camps and what was going on, but they still fought for their country because they knew that if they didn't, they would be influenced by Western rule or Soviet rule. I mean, the Nazis hated the Soviets probably more than they hated us. Well, that was, that was their, their, and that was the start of their othering. Like it wasn't, it was like obviously Jewish members of their society but also like communism that the threat of communism was was i mean we felt it too they've done pretty well for themselves if we look at it now like china's the superpower of the world right now it's a communist nation well look at, look at huac in the in the 1950s 
with uh, the House Un-American Activities and McCarthyism. Yeah, McCarthyism. You had our government blacklisting Hollywood actors and directors and producers with no real information other than they might have communist person at one time or they might have. They went to a party meeting once like 30 years ago. Like... Right. You know, we had our entire government do this blacklisting of, of, of Hollywood, you know, elites for dumb reasons. And that that sparked an entire cultural conversation about what does it mean to have free speech. I think we went the right direction for a long time where, you know what, communism, as flawed as it is, it really has never been tried at its purest level because it never can be because it the way that it's structured is it gives the people at the top all the power and sucks to suck. You know, anything in an idealistic society or a utopia will be amazing, right? Yeah. And I mean, the closest they've come to success is like a socialist countries like in Scandinavia, you know. But like there's reasons for that because they're small enough and homogeneous enough to make it work. They're all the same. Every month, Grant and I will tackle an important topic while enjoying a glass of whiskey. If you don't agree with our opinions on these issues, that's great. We want to hear from you and hear your side of the story. Our goal is to understand different perspectives and engage in conversations that matter without regressing to the same division that exists in our hyperpartisan politics. We can and must do better in finding common ground. Discussions breed solutions. The Kogan Conversation is a podcast that welcomes respectful discourse, paired with a glass of whiskey, of course. If you'd like to offer your take on an upcoming episode or join us for a glass of whiskey, please reach out to us on social media or head over to our website and send us a message. Wouldn't it be nice to know what topics are coming up and when an episode is releasing from the Kogan Conversation? Subscribing to our podcast on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, following us on Spotify, and of course following us on social media helps immensely. You can also head over to our website and sign up for our email list so you never miss out on any episodes or information. Cheers! I always, I always had a, a fun time answering the question: When did America start to have this falter with in this scare of different ideas? And I, I many people would say that you know the, the distrust in government and the fear of different ideas and, and the, the looking to the government to save you know hey you are the embodiment of democracy we elected you so please protect us from these bad ideas and these bad actors and etc. People usually point to the Vietnam War. The Vietnam War was the first in color war that showed the terrors and the tragedies of that region. Blood was red on the TV screen and it came out pretty quickly that the Gulf of Tonkin was pretty clearly a manufactured thing for us to get into Vietnam. Vietnam and Kennedy didn't want to go into Vietnam and Lyndon Johnson did. And guess what happened to Kennedy? So there's a lot of conspiracy around the Vietnam conflict <clears throat> that made people have a very yuck reaction to what was going on and, and who was in charge and what the government was doing. But I would argue that it goes back further. The Red Scare in the 1919-1920 era with, you know, the Bolshevik Revolution, what Lenin was doing in, 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 in Russia, we got our first taste of people buying into a different idea than, than democracy. Democracy was the number one in the history of the world from 1776 to a about when Lenin took over Russia. And then Lenin had this powerful thing going on in Russia. 
you know, the monarchy in England and the UK is starting to crumble a little bit. They're losing territories and they're not that big. No one really likes them. They're colonial and still and no one really gives a shit. America is strong and powerful, but more and more countries are starting to fall victim to the communist charismatic leaders that say, hey, we can do these things for you and make these things happen. Trust us because we're awesome and confident and powerful. So now this red scare happens and we're so afraid of those different ideas, we create HUAC in the 1950s and McCarthyism. And then the Korean War happens to keep communist China out of uh, what became North Korea. Well, North Korea is North Korea and we had a DMZ set up stalemate. Tried to go into Vietnam to protect that. Laos and Cambodia as well. Failed there, became communist and have been just in ruin ever since. And now they're like a democratic republic, kind of, not really. And now you have the remnants of the Soviet Union run by someone who is a totalitarian, Putin. And it's not Soviet Russia anymore. It's just Russia. And they still have Soviet policies. They still have totalitarian communistic ways. And they are becoming a real leader in the world stage alongside China, who I would argue is probably number one right now as far as, you know, their technology advancements and just their general hold on their population. It's weird that our our biggest strength being our freedom and our, 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 you know, our Western way of life is also our biggest weakness because we aren't adaptable. We don't know how to confront those ideas with better ideas. We get so afraid of what China's doing and we say, oh, well, you know, censor that. If, you, if you're a communist and you think what China's doing is, you know, even worth a conversation, censor. Don't talk to me. Burn your book. And while you're doing that, show me your papers because you're going to go in a camp where you can, ha- you can have your thoughts in your little camp and I'm going to be in my camp and we can separate the thoughts and we won't have a conversation or a dialogue that's productive. So now we're susceptible to issues like China, and China knows that. China and Russia are, you better be damn sure they're taking advantage where they can when they see weaknesses and vulnerabilities in how our public is reacting to social issues. I mean, the virus is no different. It Was it China who released it on purpose? Probably not, but- Will we ever really know? Definitely not. No, but they fucking are going to take advantage of that vulnerability because look, look what they got to do. For the last two years, we've been shut down, locked down, have made no improvement. Small businesses are still closing down. People are in severe debt. There's been, what, two stimulus checks and no other improvement. The inflation rate is through the roof, not getting any better anytime. But building materials are going through the roof. Housing market is skyrocketing, still hasn't crashed. There's a supply chain issue. There are cars that from 2020 and 2021 that are labeled as such, but they're still on shipping containers in the ocean who haven't, haven't gotten to the dealership yet. So there's going to be a mad scramble for cars whenever they do get to port. And all the meanwhile, China was shut down for a month. They they all masked up. It burned through their population and they're back to work. And they've been beating us for the last two years. You know how much you can get done in two years? China knows and they've been doing it. Oh, and especially now with how, I mean, streamlined and just look at where we're at technology wise now too. Two years now is 20, 30 years, half a century ago, maybe even half a decade ago. I mean, we're just advancing so quickly in terms of technology, but like, and, and it doesn't help when, yeah, China is the top grossing movies of the year are, are literal like war propaganda films that China is making about themselves rewriting history where they win always. And then what's America doing to combat that? We're making movies that specifically need to pass their censorship board to get released there to make any kind of money because that's the only place where Hollywood movies make money anymore. Is in China. Well, and, and I'm glad you brought that up because the, the most recent one was the, I forget the name of it, but it was a Chinese war film where the single Marine U.S. Marine unit fought off millions or thousands of Chinese soldiers in North Korea, the Korean War. The the Chinese government made a movie about China losing 
to America. And I've been reading all the articles where it's like, oh my God, that's that's so that's incredible that they're they're actually they're acknowledging that this amazing war history thing that happened and uh, America is so strong. Yay, America. Meanwhile, the reason why China did that is because it's using it as propaganda for their soldiers, their commanders, their people to show that, look, look what they did with their uh, tenacity and ferocity. And now look at them now. We can do that to them if it ever came to it. Propaganda. And yeah, like our entire media is is on seemingly the side of censorship of don't piss off the Chinese president Xi, don't piss off the Chinese people with any of our opinions, even though their human rights abuses are widespread and they're they're not on the side of Black Lives Matter or, or, or pride or any of this shit. Like they're not getting bogged down with like the West figured it out pretty quickly. Like, yeah, we had slavery. Yeah, we had segregation. We had all this like terrible shit in our history. But like at the basis of the foundation of America, it was all about freedom for all. And we we got there eventually. We really did. And yes, things aren't perfect. Yes, there's still going to be idiots who think that the polio vaccine is going to give your kids autism. Yes, there's still going to be people who are just like blatantly racist or homophobic or transphobic or all this shit. But it is not at the point where like we are so privileged and and just and blind to real injustice in the world that like the stance we take is this this like nice corporate Disneyified version of human rights and 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 it's really just in the service of actual powers out there that want to come and and subjugate you and if you don't bend the knee they're going to kill you basically because they have and they they will that's what they do that's how they get power like actual insane power hungry countries who will do anything by any means to be the ruler of the world, basically. And we're just here, have it, take it. What do you think China's goal is, though? Because I, 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 this is one of the things I think is interesting, especially with the potential of us having another civil war in country, is that the, the consequences aren't that big. The consequences to losing to China today might not mean lives lost. It might not even changing our way of life here. It just means that China's number one. They have the most money. They have the most world power. So long as they don't do things like mass genocide, which they haven't yet, they've just been doing the Uyghur concentration camps that we have proof of. I'm not saying they haven't done genocide in the past, but you know, today there's not really much proof of anything other than just really, really horrible, you know, racist things. So if that's the worst consequence, it's not people dying. It's not bodies in the streets. It's not you know war torn cities. I, I think that's the disconnect that I, I, I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out. If we don't really give a shit, that's problem number one, right? We're lowering our standards. Our 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 people don't really care. People are more globalist now than ever, especially because of the hyper connectivity we have on Facebook and Twitter. So maybe so what? This is going to totally wait until like total. Oh, it's the globalist conspiracy breakaway civilization shit. But like speaking on China specifically, I think they can think in centuries where we can think in decades. Our failure right off the bat is they're just that kind of communist, kind of totalitarian nation that does some horrible things here and there. But we do a lot of trade with them. They make us a lot of money. And they're like, okay, we're going to take advantage of that. They've moved past this nationalistic, we are China, we are one kind of thing. And they've, they've put their brains a thousand years into the future where, yes, technology's moved to the point where not being a, a like one global kind of government 
is not really feasible because we're all interconnected at this point. And they're like, well, if it's going to be one global government, we're going to be that one global government. And they opened up their borders a bit. They opened up their trade a little bit and they let the money roll in, but they still get to control every little bit of that. And it does kind of seem sometimes like it's by design where all these little petty quabbles that we do here, like they're, they're taking advantage of our not really knowing what it's like to have these these horrible atrocities happen or war come to our borders and they're going to say all right they they can't handle real shit so we're going to feed them what they think is real shit and they're going to tear themselves apart doing it and then they're not going to stop us like it's that simple like they're they're thinking 10 steps ahead of us they're playing the 3D chess as it were the 4D chess their their government their economy their way of doing things is now the model for what is going to be the global agenda setting as it were and our politicians are only interested in making money and they can do that with them so they they bought in i mean even if they know that's the plan or not even if china has like explicitly said that's the plan that's what we're witnessing and that's what we've been witnessing and we're playing right into it and every other country is playing right into it and yeah like again this is all it's it's going to sound like a crazy conspiracy theorist but like all it took all it really took was for in two years a virus that kills less than one percent of the population to completely kill our entire economy and i was going to get back to this point too and this is going to be for our part two of the episode where what's what's the event that i could see that could trigger this total collapse and i think it would honestly be an economic one i think that's really what would put us back into some kind of like dark age in terms of our our way of life would be we're very clearly pumping all this money printing it like there's no tomorrow not really caring about the consequences of it and i i think the divide is going to become so great that yeah like an economic collapse on a global level that china probably foresaw 10 years ago can just be like all right we're coming in now guys we have all the influence we have all the people and meanwhile you're putting on your three masks and worried about i don't know a cough This podcast is a work of passion and it's completely self-funded. We want to continue providing this platform dedicated to free thought and conversation, but we kindly ask that you show your support. Patreon isn't just a platform where you can give a small monthly donation. It also gives you exclusive access to extended, unedited episodes, bonus content, as well as creative input into whatever we cover. Being a supporter on Patreon makes you a member of the Kogan Conversation family and helps us continue this passion project. For just a few bucks a month, you can help us grow. The more we grow, the more perks can come to being a supporter on Patreon. Head over to our website and learn how you can sign up. Thank you for returning to listen to the continuation of this conversation on the next Civil War. Be sure to stay tuned for the conclusion to this conversation next month, with part 3 on March 14th and part 4 on March 28th. If you can't wait that long, be sure to head over to our Patreon and subscribe for as little as $2 a month to have access to the full, unedited video episode today. In the meantime, we would really appreciate any feedback or thoughts you have for the show. Thank you.
I'm Alan. And I'm Grant. Thank you for listening to The Kogan Conversation. This podcast is about engaging with different perspectives, values, and ideas. We want to learn how to progress conversations on important topics without assuming the worst in each other. Each month, we will tackle a new topic while enjoying a glass of our favorite spirit and shed light on the beauty of good conversation. Until next time. Cheers.